Welcome to another episode of The Expert Wife. My name is Tina and I'm the host of this show. And today I have a very special guest again, where I really have to say I'm not having the right words how to introduce her because everything she has to say is so unbelievable, fascinating. And here I hand over to Anu. Hello, welcome to the show. Who are you? Where are you? Why are you here? <laughs> Hi, Tina. How are you? It is wonderful being on the podcast. And I know that every time that I've had any interaction with you, it has been um it has been engaging and interesting, and I know we both generally can go on and on and on because we have many topics of uh, that are interesting to both of us. But yes, I am Anu Ishwaran. I met Tina, I can't tell you how many years ago in China. And uh, as uh, we were working in the same school, we were... Um, we knew each other's children and so yeah and so it has been wonderful crossing paths in China uh, from both from wherever we have come so yeah and so I'm Ani Ishwaran I if you ask me where I am from it is a very big loaded question because I think my roots are very widespread uh, but if I was born in the United States, uh, and I grew up in full periods of time in both countries uh, because my dad's job moved us um, between the two countries throughout my life till I was um, 20 years old. And so the um, two countries, sorry for interrupting, the two countries, so your, your parents are from India, right? Yeah, my parents are from India. My parents, uh, so if I had, so I know your podcast is The Expat Wife, and I would say um, I would be the second generation expat wife in my family because my mom, I, my mom had an arranged marriage. Uh, both my parents had an arranged marriage in 1968, and uh, they had maybe had met each other a few times before they got married, maybe two, three times. And, but a week after they got married, uh, my dad has a PhD and uh, my mom has a master's in sociology, but um, my dad would have accepted a postdoc position in the University of uh, Seattle and uh, in Washington and, or University of Washington in Seattle. Uh, and so he uh, and my mom, they both left India a week after they were married, hardly knowing each other. Uh, and at that time, I think uh, India was allowing, I think, $8 each of foreign exchange. And so they left with $16 in their hand uh, all the way from, uh, you know, from a little uh, from Kerala all the way to um, Chicago and then from Chicago to Seattle and I think I'm always, when I think about that and I think about relationships and I think about um, the courage that they had to, first of all, not know each other really very well and then navigate a whole different culture um, as, you know, together. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm just, it, it actually drives me a lot sometimes when, you know, I have been moving and stuff saying, hey, if they could do it so many years ago, I have no excuse really. And so 
Um, yeah, and so then they had me, and they were there uh, for, I think, a couple years in, in Seattle after that. And then after that, they moved to Slovenia for a year. And, you know, my mom always is a very positive uh, person. So she really didn't go into whether a lot of whether she faced a lot of challenges. I'm sure she must have. But um, so they moved to Slovenia for a year. And then I mean, Slovenia um, at this time was a communist country, wasn't it? Yes, it was. And like I said, I they, she has really never shared a lot of maybe what challenges she might have felt. But I know she loved mm -hmm. the United States. And I know she enjoyed herself there. But I think when they were in Slovenia, I know they traveled Europe a lot. Uh, they bought a Beetle, I remember, like a little <laughs> Volkswagen car, is what their pictures show. And they drove around Europe a lot at that time. And uh, But I think they also met a lot of people. And, and I think that's where maybe, you know, their openness to kind of embrace new countries, new challenge, new cultures, I think mm -hmm. maybe is what I have been exposed to my entire life as the norm, not something different, right? Like that's what I have been basically exposed to because it didn't end there. Like they, then they moved back to India because my dad got a job offer to help begin a department in his alma mater where he started, got his PhD But then by then he had so many research projects that he had already started collaborating on. He would move us as a family every so many years back to the United States. And then, you know, again, if there was not, I don't remember a lot of conversation about like, you know, how do you adjust and what do you do? It was just, that's what you do. And so I would go to oh, elementary wow. school in, in Boston and I would go to school and I would come back. I don't remember <laughs> a lot of like, you know, massive difficulty and massive, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what it is, but maybe I really have no real strong memories of lots of unhappiness. I just, I know going to school and we lived actually at that time when I was in elementary school, my dad was at Harvard. And so um, we, there was an international, it was called the international house where Harvard housed a lot of their um, people that I think they got on short-term assignments from different parts of the world. And so it was a little international community in the 1970s in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and that's where we lived. And my mom's best friend to the date to today is a lovely French lady that she met over there. And um, so, yeah, and so it was that, you know, but they moved us back and then they would move us back again. And I would go back to India, to, uh, to Bangalore. And I always went back to the same school when I went to Bangalore and it was a Catholic school. Uh, I'm not Catholic. I'm not Christian, but, uh, you know, those were the best schools at that time. Most of the students were Hindu uh, in, in that school. And so that, that they kept steady. Like every time I would move back to Bangalore, they would put me back in the same school. And um, so I, know, I kind of I just, yeah. yeah. Can I just add one thing? Because it is very important. Because in the last episode, there was Santia. 
She is from uh -huh. India and she's also from Bangalore. We need to make sure that not everyone thinks now there's only one city. No. <laughs> Bangalore, there's one billion people. So if all one billion people came in Bangalore, that would be a big problem. <laughs> I just think it's so funny. You know, there are two people on my podcast and the world is so big and they're both from the same city in the same country. So, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. It's like, well, I I know it was, that's where I, I don't know, even here, I think recently there was a kid that moved into, he, uh, you know, from India into um, our school. And, um, and I think uh, he's also, I think his family's from Bangalore. It's, it's the <laughs> IT capital, <laughs> IT capital of India. So. Okay. That might that, be the reason. It but, is. Sorry, I mean, wasn't when I was there. When I was there, it was the retirement community over there because it's a green city. It used to be a very green city. It still is, I guess. And uh, so, but yeah, it's just like, uh, but yeah, it's uh, interesting. It's a small world. Even in that one billion people, you seem to find lots of people from Bangalore. So, uh, but sorry for interrupting. So, your parents made sure that you basically, when you were in Bangalore, you always went to the same school, which yeah. gave you so a kind of a consistency. Yes, so they did. So, I had that kind of a community, like, you know, always. So, whenever we went back, my dad would always be at the same job, right? Because he was taking sabbaticals every time. So, it wasn't like he was quitting his job and going, it was just taking sabbaticals or to continue his research and so then we would kind of move so when I went to the states I would be not necessarily always in the same school because I went to the public school system so I was at different stages every time when we moved back to the states right so um, I did some elementary school there and then I did my high school over there and so uh, we were in different cities and they would kind of try to pick a a city that was convenient for my dad to get to work and also a pretty good school system so I could go to the public school system. And so, uh, or my sister could at that time, the second time, you know, when af after that, when my sister was born for both of us to, so we would go to the public school system in the US and then we would go to this Catholic private school in India, in Bangalore. And so, but, you know, again, like I said, so maybe it was, some part of it was already, I had already been, it was slowly, I guess, constantly learning to adjust to uh, kind of adjust to new new situations, open myself up, become more vulnerable. Um, those, I think, were starting to, they were starting to become part of my psyche, I guess, in a bit. But I went back to the States when I was 20 and I thought, okay, I'm going to stay there. That's it. Then I started going, I did my senior year of undergraduate at Penn State and I was there. Then I met my husband and I got my, I, I went for my master's degree. And while I was getting my master's at bio, in, I, you know, I got my master's degree in biochemical research and then I started working and then you know, my husband comes and says, well, my company wants to, you know, send me to India. And I was like, not again, like again, like what is this? Like, you know, husband from India as well. Yes, he is. So he though has had a much more of a, not this moving up and down kind of a life. So he left India when he was 17. And okay. um, so he had been 
considerably a long time. He's seven, almost seven years older to me. And he had been okay. in the United States since an undergraduate student, like since his undergraduate. So he had like just, you know, I had lived my childhood in India and then I had lived my adult life in the United States. So he had it like, he has more, I would say, roots to mm-hmm. one then and then move to the other. Whereas for me, it was always a very blurred lines let's say you know so I can adapt to India very well I can adapt to the United States very well because I've kind of lived in both cultures parallel I would say mm-hmm. uh, a lot in my in my you know when I was growing up a lot and so whereas so yes we both are like I said of Indian heritage but he's had much more of I've lived this half and then this half like that whereas mine has been more up and down throughout but so then he comes and but he had never worked in India ever ever so for him that was his first like it was he had gone to college in the states he had got his master's in the states and then he had worked in the states and so he had never worked in India so this was like his first um, you know foray I would say working outside the United States so Mm -hmm. Um, so anyway, so he was like, ex- you know, he was excited about it, as you know, you would know. It is a, it is an exciting opportunity for anybody when they're offered this chance to get an expat assignment with the companies. And so uh, we took it and we moved with a, th- a three-month-old um, yeah. to Chennai. And for me, that was again new because I had never lived in India with my own my own family like I'd lived with my parents had taken care of me the entire time uh, but running my own house there running my own family there was a first so that was I was a bit like okay how do I get to do this but like I have chatted with you before I think um, that was my first time kind of understanding how to navigate outside uh with a fam- with my own family outside what I already know. And so mm-hmm. there we had moved with a bun- with a few foreigners, none of them that we had known, but we were all, I would say, expats into with the company. We were a large group that went from all over the world bec- and to start like a plant over there. And uh, there was also many other comp- multinational companies that were setting up in Chennai at that time. And so we were a group of, I would say, I later on I joined something called an overseas women's club and those were my first tools of understanding how to navigate and make a life for yourself and that's where like I was telling you before I think that's where you're starting to open up and you're opening up and you're opening up and you're learning mm-hmm. different things that I would have never thought possible I really, I don't when I say never thought possible I don't think I would have even thought about it <laughs> you know it would have been just like yeah, you know, I am. I have my family. I'm going to work. I have a child. I probably will have another child, and then they will, you know, go to school, and then my husband will work, and I will work, and we will, you know, bring up these two children together, and then they will go off to college, and we'll figure out. I don't think I was thinking of anything more than that, like you know. Mm-hmm. And whereas now I'm like, okay, so there, I think this community of, I would say, ladies, because they were all ladies. So, it, you know, I don't want to generalize that all expat spouses are ex- expat wives, but at that time they were. And so it was yeah. not a lot of 
in that were going and the husband. Nowadays, I think I see that more happening, but not at that time. And so mm-hmm. all just, it, so it was the Overseas Women's Club. We were about maybe 200 families there. So, mm-hmm. um, so quite a lot of women uh, over there. But you know what, Tina, at that time is what I saw so many things that were possible. So there were this group of women that were just banding together and learning to navigate India and Chennai, an absolutely new environment to most of them. We were very few families there of Indian heritage in there. They were all like Australian and American and British and, you know, African and all that. And they were like, you know, learning to live in this country. And um, it was just great because we had a little exercise group going. We had, so I was, that was my time where I was like, oh, let me join the the play group for my son. Let me join a morning exercise class for my son. Let me join the sewing class. And then they were taking these trips and everything. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, you know, I was actually navigating India in an amazing way because I was like exposed to all this thing. And I had a community to go along with it, you know? And so, mm-hmm. and each of these ladies and their stories and how they, and there were age ranges, you know, my husband's boss, um, he, they were a much, I think India was their last, like they were retiring. So they were much older than us at that time. They just took, like his wife actually took me in, like, you know, she played grandmother to, she missed her grandchildren. So she played grandmother to my son and it was just lovely. But I learned so much from her because actually I learned so much about the United States and living in the United States from her because she taught me how to bake and she taught me how to, uh, you know, celebrate Thanksgiving. And I still remember that, like, you know, and so I got a lot of what it is to like live with my family in the United States, actually in India, <laughs> you know, from this yeah. And it was just like, but anyway, so I think that was it. So that was my learning experience. Like in India, I was like, that was it. Because so I would say how to navigate and find a social community. Um, if I think back of it, if I had to write about my lessons learned there, apart from many others, for myself, that would be the lesson that I got from there. And so I, when we moved back uh, four years later to Michigan, that was, again, a brand new slate. I had nobody that I knew over there. and But now I have gone with these tools. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. okay. Not so daunting because maybe I can find similar communities because I can only go from what I know right like so this is what Mm -hmm. now I know know what to do because my childhood going up and down I was in school so you always ended up having a community like whichever school you go to you know especially since my parents kept me at the same school moving back to India I always had that community coming to the United States yes it was a little more challenging like making friends um I remember high school like like when I'm I'm sorry I'm jumping back but like high school when I came back actually it was an international community at my high school that welcomed me in my first friends were from Taiwan and from Korea and they were the ones that kind of welcomed me and they met me in the summer because I was working in some store and they were like come and meet us at this time at lunch you know first day of school so they were the ones that welcomed me into the American public school um, where I kind of and then after a while I made my own friends but anyway coming back to in coming back to Michigan 
I again knew. So I again had now I had those tools in my belt. So I kind of found a community. I found, in fact, I actually found an expat association in in Michigan, even though I wasn't an oh, expat in Michigan. But I was like, okay, let I know how to, I know expats kind of find their own community. Let me go find that. And actually, I found a community <laughs> there that kind of like understood me because I was like, well, kind of been away and come back. Women from again all over the world. And actually, I think one of my closest friends was British. Uh, and she, they, her family was living in Michigan temporarily. And her son and my son like were really good friends. And and then later on, I found like a newcomers club. So that was my social interaction at that time um, a lot. So again, I kind of moved along with those tools. And then again, four years later, we had, I mean, in, not four years later, like in that time we had my daughter. And then when she was three, again, my husband's company moved us to Mexico. And I was like, okay. So it was the end of, of home and yeah. <laughs> It was, it was the end of the U.S. India ping ponging. Yes, it was. <laughs> it was something. Okay. <laughs> it was. It that that chapter was finally like okay. Now it's another country. So moved over there, and when I moved there, I started learning the language, and so. Again, it's like the next thing. So now I know how to kind of navigate in a in a new social setup. But my social setup over there was largely Mexican because the pop the uh, the people the I guess the students in our school there it was like you you had local as well as expat children. The expat kids were a smaller community, and the local kids were a very large community. And so a lot of the parents and the adults were all Mexican. And so any communal event, they were wonderful, they were welcoming, they were all of that, but, you know, they all spoke Spanish and that would be their natural course. And, I, you know, I, that's understandable, right? If you're, uh -huh. most of people are speaking a, a language, you kind of gravitate towards that. So I started learning Spanish and I found, oh, wow, within a year I could like, I could actually have a conversation and I was like oh this is great so that kind of drove me and that kept me going so I think again I have opened myself up even more like now I'm like oh okay so I have another tool in my toolbox where I think I can try to learn a language you know and then I started seeing all the benefits that come with it because I started getting much more of a community with that I was like okay mm -hmm. and then towards the end of that I started uh, you know, substituting in in a couple of the schools, uh, not very often, but I went. I, that was my first foray into teaching. So keep in mind, till now, since I left the U.S. and went to India, came back, stayed in the U.S. So it had been about eight years that I really hadn't worked formally okay. anywhere, and so. I was like, okay, and so I started learning the language, and you know, again, providing a home, but coming back. To that, I come back to being an expat wife because the life looks amazing. Like I've had this lovely community. We're like, you know, we're having these, uh, you know, playgroup sessions. We're having sewing sessions. We're having coffees. We're having this. But I also, I feel there's a part of the expat wife story that is really not shared a lot. And so, which is actually the ups and downs, as you know, uh, mm -hmm. as you have gone through um, the ups and downs of expat, like the sacrifices that an expat wife 
or an expat spouse makes is massive like because as much as i'm saying it's wonderful to open up and be vulnerable it is very mm-hmm. hard to be open up and be vulnerable mm-hmm. over and over and over again and i think it builds up your resilience but at the same time it's like oh my god like again i have to do it again and i've got to do it again and each time like you know i think you are kind of always a foreigner you're never grounded you haven't you know you you have your community which is your friends are your life at that point because you don't have those friends that you grew up with from childhood around around you or a family member around you and so for and then you have to be have the strong be the strong person for the household because the kids need to go on with life as normal and mm-hmm. i when i look back and i think i think my mom did it very it looks again effortlessly but now being in her shoes it's like wow like she never showed it and she was that to me what i think i was was to my children you know mm-hmm. so the same thing like i never felt like what am i doing like who am i like you know i don't have anybody here of my own and you know to kind of cry on or lean on or anything like that i've given up working i've given up feeling purposeful like what is my purpose when my kids are teenagers like what is my purpose <laughs> it's like yeah. they're living their own lives and like you know what am i doing and but yeah so but so going you know but so there's beautiful things i'm focusing now more on the the amazing things because i'm like kind of in awe as to the stuff that i've been all the opportunities that have come my way and the things that i've been able to do which i think oh my god if i'd never moved that could have never happened and i know it would have never happened and so i i definitely am amazed about that but at the same time i do want to acknowledge that it is not an easy uh journey for all the expat wives that are there because it is it is quite a challenge to do it and have a smile on your face and hang out and be and learn and learn to be with new people and new cultures and new traditions and and make it all look so easy you know but it I is i like this uh, and having this smile on your face because this is the point when you move you have to have a smile in your on your face for at least the first six months until you yes. have met the first person where you can say i don't want to smile at this point <laughs> i know i know <laughs> Uh, so exactly i don't want to smile for it i've had a bad day <laughs> you know <laughs> you stop smiling for a minute but i guess but you didn't but because well now you are in china so you were in mexico obviously you are not in mexico anymore did you go no. back to india to mexico uh, to, to the us where did you go next <laughs> So home base is always the United States where that's where my husband's job is or at that point was you will laugh as to where his job is now I'll tell you but right now um at that point in Mexico so home base so like I said when uh, my husband moved to India he had never worked outside the United States so it is a US company that sent us there right so that's what mm-hmm. keeps sending us and bringing us back so when you repatriate we're repatriating back to the states and so 
so we went to Mexico. And so, yeah, so there comes, so the first step was learning how to navigate in India. Then I used that knowledge to kind of learn how to navigate in Mexico. But now I've added one thing where I'm like, I will learn Spanish. And so now I'm mm -hmm. kind of, okay, do Spanish. I love speaking Spanish. I enjoy meeting all the people. I enjoy like going into what my friend called the bowels of Monterey, which is like the really heart of Monterey, like, you know, and explore the city and feeling much more confident that I knew I could get myself wait, get myself out of the city because I could speak the language. Right. So, um, mm -hmm. and so things like that. So I really, really enjoyed Mexico. We loved it. And, um, and so, you know, but again, so I'd learned how to speak the language. So towards the end, I'd started like, okay, maybe I can go and like substitute teach and see how that goes. So I'm like, okay. So I went and substitute teach. And I, I don't remember, I don't come back thinking I love it, but I kind of enjoyed it, you know, and I, I came back and then we repatriated back to the United States in 2008. And at that point, I think, that year, now, again, again, when it happened, I never thought, gave it that much thought. But now I think in 2008, we moved back from Mexico sometime in February or March. And then we moved to, uh, then my kids went to school in the United States in the same city. So just like my parents kept my school the same uh, every time and Bangalore the same every time we went back to India when we moved back to Michigan uh, to the United States after we've had children we always move back to Michigan and we have kept our house from then till now and we spent all breaks we would go back to the same house so my kids had the same thing same community same house they have their rooms in their house in Michigan and so we moved back and they went back to the same school that my son started in and uh, for about three months. And then after that, in 2008, again, we moved in August to China. So that year, my kids went to three schools in three different countries. Wow. Yes. And I was like, I never thought about it then, really, Tina. I thought, think about it now, thinking, oh, my God, what did I, what did we do to them? But at that point, we didn't think but, about it so much. <laughs> so, but you know what? This is something I have written down when I was listening to you, because... And I hope you don't get me wrong. I hope no one gets me wrong. But nowadays, we always focus on the kids first. So, you know, we make sure the best school, the kids agree, la, 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 la. And now I'm listening to you and no one ever cared. But you came out happy. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't think, I mean, maybe my parents thought about it, but I didn't know. But I was never part yeah. of that conversation about moving up and down. And I don't think similarly, maybe I, we also, my kids were, it's not like we just said tomorrow we're going and we're going. They were prepped for it, but they were never part mm -hmm. of the whole like discussion. I think the, it was not like they were never a part of the discussion, but it was always like, they knew that at that point I was not working. It was, you know, my husband basically providing for us also. And we were, you know, living as good as a life as we could be at that time. And, you know, I think we kind of, that was important. That was important that my husband had a job that we could kind of all live together and live a life that we were happy with right and so I think my kids kind of got that at that point and mm -hmm. they did but yeah I know leaving Mexico I, I still remember leaving the states to go to Mexico 
was hard for my son. But then leaving Mexico to come back to the States was hard for my son too. And so I told him, I remember when he was leaving the st Mexico and he was distraught. And I said, I hope you remember four years ago, coming here, you were distraught. Mm -hmm. And now you are leaving here distraught. And that means I said, I'm looking at it saying that you get happy wherever you go. And so, mm -hmm. and you... And for me, that's what I'm getting about it. Like you find joy and you find happiness wherever you go. And so if you are this sad four years later to leave this country <laughs> and to meet your friends, something must have happened really good in the four years. Because four years ago, you were just so sad to leave the, the States. And he was like, yeah, that's true. And so, so then I think that kind of when he moved to China that same year, um, well, China was a little of a different story. I, I laugh, I'm making a joke, but I remember the first week we moved to China. We lived, you know, as you know, China, we lived in Hangzhou and Suzhou. They're quite affluent areas of China. And so our neighbor had a Ferrari and my son was in grade six. So, oh my God, a Ferrari to a sixth grader was like, oh my God, like where have I moved that my neighbor has a Ferrari? And so... <laughs> And that guy, we couldn't speak to him at all. He was playing badminton or something like outside in, in the yard. And, you know, he was going to get into the Ferrari and he kind of gesticulated to us and he said he'd take this boy on a spin in the Ferrari. Oh, my God. I think, oh my you God. know, my son's in love. He was like, oh, this is an amazing country. I move here and two weeks later, I'm driving around in a Ferrari. <laughs> I was, Sometimes wow. it can be so easy. <laughs> I know. I was like, so he took this guy, this neighbor took uh, my son out for a ride. He took my daughter out for a ride. And then, you know, and then my husband was like, how come he never offered me a ride? <laughs> but anyway... <laughs> Um, but it was great. It was, uh, I mean, that's a joke, but yeah, it was, uh, so we moved to Hangzhou and they went to a school from about, I think a school in Mexico from about 2000 kids to a school in Hangzhou with 300 from elementary all the way to high school. And, um, <laughs> it was like, okay. And then two years later, we've come to Suzhou and we have been here for 13 years. And I feel I've been this bird flying since birth, like trying to find my nest. And this is where I have found it in Suzhou. And I love it here. And I have all, I have, I really do. I really love it here. I've loved all the people that have come by my way. And, um, and like I said, do I love it here? Maybe because finally I have just stayed or because I just love it here. I don't know, but I do. I do really love it here. And so, and um, yeah, but again, back again, I said, it's not the same, right? It's also, I might have stayed, but then many people are coming and going as expat mm -hmm. life would have it. So uh, it's still the same. I'm still having to open up. I'm still having to be vulnerable. I'm still yeah. having to meet more people. But when I moved to China, I again came back with the tool belt. Now I know how to meet people. Now I know I can learn a language. So I started learning Chinese. And I again found maybe languages come easy to me. Maybe I just enjoy learning it. I don't know. But I could start speaking Mandarin, you know, pretty okay. Not great. I speak it so much better now, like, you know, 13 years or 15 years later but at that point it was 
I was learning, but within a year, year and a half, I could make sentences. I could have a very basic conversation. And I was like, wow, okay. And then I started again when towards the second year of Hangzhou, I started substituting. So again, it's always building a little and little and little on what you know. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, and so I started substituting. And again, that was another part of teaching. But in the meantime, now in Mexico, I've met some amazing expat women who became such part of my family as you know like friends become your family mm -hmm. your family. like yeah. you're so when I say you open up and vul be vulnerable at some point you become very vulnerable they become mm -hmm. your family I mean sometimes even closer than family you know so um and so you have you have um so I started building I had a very close community in in Mexico and then in then in Hangzhou I had another group of friends and recently I was actually thinking the power of girlfriends it's just amazing like girlfriends are the best are the absolute absolute best I think so the power of having girlfriends and having those girlfriends through every step of your journey I feel like oh my god like I've just actually been blessed because there have been so many girlfriends that have come by my by my way right so so then I came came to Suzhou and again I spent a year settling down and going back to again what you know so I started substituting at the school and uh and then I found again I think the school was uh it was an it's an IB school and it was a very very good fit for my personality because I now when I think back it's I'm very much like I build on what I know and then it's like inquiry like I'm looking I'm I'm learning more I'm you know finding my own way through a lot of things which is what I be an inquiry is all about and so I started at the school and um, I first started as a substitute for a homeroom and then they asked me to do learning support and I was like learning support like I've never done this in my life but okay well you know and I'm not ready to work full-time really because I never thought about it again again I haven't thought about it that much and they're like well we'll try it out for a month and see and I did and now 10 years later I'm still at the school loving it and so and I think it would have said were, were the same bosses that forced me to become an art teacher <laughs> You know, they seem to know those bosses what we are good yes. at. Hey, yeah, <laughs> I remember, remember that you're like art, yes, art, <laughs> and, look what you're, art. <laughs> and look what you're doing with it now, and that's what it is. But I think it's it's both though, because I think. Yes. Yeah, exactly. They told me to be learning support. I was like, learning support. And I'm like, okay, I'll try that. And, um, you know, but again, it kept me going, right? Like I was learning again. I was like reading up and trying to figure out. But again, like I said before, in sometimes now I see the value of not being so, like, I, I don't know whether it was the same for you with art. Like, were you able to kind of give you this freedom to your art expression because are you are you an art major no listen no. i am not, i am not kidding i was and this is what i'm always telling I, i was in school i was one of the students who hated art lessons and i was just sitting in the art lessons and i always was like why am i doing this um the teachers felt like why is she in my class it was a bit of this i never enjoyed it and i think This is where my passion comes from. You know, I want to make it as as 
enjoyable as possible. But the whole point is, if I wouldn't have said yes at this point, wouldn't have gone out uh, being the expat wife with in the the feeling of what's my purpose? No, never. I would never have done anything with art. Exactly. And that's the thing. They told me learning support was like, okay. But again, like I said, you don't have that this thing. So I think sometimes that kind of lets you just exp explore freely at some point because mm -hmm. you're not constrained by knowledge, really. You know, I mean, I'm sorry to say, but that's what it is. You're not constrained by this is how it should be. Because once you know this is how it should be, to break out of it is very hard. Whereas if you kind yep. of are not really, you know what I'm saying? Like to kind Absolutely. of. Yeah, so it's like, well, so we, I was not constrained by this is what I have to do with a dyslexic child. This is what I have to do. I I could read about it. I, I learned a lot about it. I studied it. I studied it a lot. But it, I studied all all of the the children, whatever, uh, you know, diagnosis or whatever that the children had. I studied it. But I at the same time, I did not come with a lot of preconceived knowledge. And so for me, the only resource was the child. And I was living this teacher's dream of like teaching the child how they learn. And I was like, you know, wow, this was like amazing. And so it was mm -hmm. great for me. But again, like I said, then came like, I think two, two years ago, um, you know, the, the head of school asked me to use my degree and, and my learning support experience to teach math to middle school. And I was like, okay, now, you know, again, I was again like, oh, you know, should I, should I not? But I think all of this, again, using the same words, like opening up and being vulnerable kind of also gives you a certain amount of courage to say, you know, what's mm -hmm. the worst that can happen, <laughs> like, you know? And so it's like, okay. So again, tried, I said, okay, I'll try it. and. Coming back to your point, it's math the way I was taught. I feel like I just learned math, but I did not know everything that math uh, does really, like, you know, how to apply it and what, how you can manipulate it and how you can do magic with it. I did not really know that. That for me was a bit daunting, really. But now, because the IB is full of like inquiry and questions and pondering and what ifs and accepting as long as you justify, I find that I'm able to teach math the way I would have loved to learn it, you know, and so mm -hmm. maybe be more. So same thing, like you said, like I'm able to kind of like now make meaning and more understanding to my you know, I'm putting air quotes, you cannot see me, education, you know, so, um, <laughs> so, so many years later, I'm able to kind of find some excitement, like all that excitement, I did not feel learning science and math when I was studying it, I'm feeling it now, and I have to thank really maybe being in the school and having being given those opportunities to learn it and learn to teach it in such different ways that I really find it kind of enjoyable. So again, back to the thing of the expat wife, like I think the expat wife, yes, the ups and downs, the, the downs are not great. And you really have to find that strength to like plow through every day and every day and say, yes, 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 I can do it. But at the same time, that also builds in a strength within you where you are opened up and you are like vulnerable and you are ready to take a risk. And then you find 
like you find your purpose, you find things that you're capable of that you would have never even dreamt of. Like you wouldn't have thought of, did I ever think that I would have been like um, MYP math teacher? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think that was part of the grand scheme of things at all. And then at the same time, uh, when I was in Mexico, I started taking photos and mm -hmm. I started enjoying capturing moments through the camera and uh, because again it was just a foreign culture so it was very interesting to me right like to take those moments but photography for me something is also like people always say like you know just look at it and just remember it and you know memory is short-lived believe me like I don't remember everything but mm -hmm. but when I when I actually sit down to take a photo it's at that point where I actually am very very present in that point because I am actually present at that moment relishing whatever I'm seeing behind the, the lens right and that also makes me when I'm every day walking or sitting even in a taxi or whatever. I'm constantly only noticing things. And so for me, actually seeing things behind the lens sometimes is being a great thing because I'm actually noticing and observing so many things that are just around me at that moment that I might not have if I wasn't so interested in capturing it, you know? And so I started doing that in Mexico. And then China, of course, has just opened up a whole world of you know, it's a photographer's delight. And so I started taking photos here. But again, that part, you know, because then our school started having events where you could have a little pop-up, like a little, not a pop-up, like a little bazaar where you would have a booth. But take that, that if you're ready to take those opportunities, then again, it opens up a window where you're like, wow, like there are people who kind of appreciate what you did. Like I just like, you know, clicking for my own jollies. But then I was like, oh, people like my photos. And again, it was the same person who kind of pushed me towards uh, getting a teaching certificate when I was in, in the school as a substitute. She was the same person who kind of pushed me towards photography because she loved my photos. And she's like, oh, can you just kind of make me a little book of all your photos? And so I made her a little book of all my photos and I gave it to her. And that book has just grown now. And I have a little book of all my photos, not all my photos, but photos about what I see daily in China, which has been given as leaving gifts, which has been yeah, given. One, actually. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And so now I'm like sitting here, this, this, I would say woman or girl or whatever, who just started on this path without much thought, following her husband on these expat wife, as an expat wife to so many things. Like now, so many years later, 1997 to now, it is come come to a point where my photo books are all over, gone all over the world. I make these mm -hmm. Sujo frames. I'm not sure whether you have that too, but I make those where I write the word Sujo with my photographs that have gone all over the world. And uh, I make jewelry where some people have the jewelry. And they're not even my business or it's not like my thing, but I'm like, wow, it's like, you know, I'm just like overwhelmed, actually. To be honest, I'm really, really overwhelmed by the fact that without much thought, just by just being having having these experiences, having these opportunities come my way, like how much of me I have I explored? 
I don't know what else mm-hmm. is there. There might be so much more to explore. But the fact that I've even dug into so much of me, I'm just overwhelmed, really, you know. And recently I made made some painting, some pop-up art that has, you know, that now people in Shanghai have reached out and said, oh, we would like that. I don't even know these people. And it's not only me. That's what, for me, also overwhelming. It's not only me. I just love that, you know, women like you and and many of our friends and many other women have really grown into themselves when I have seen them all over these years into realizing so much about the depths of themselves that it's actually quite amazing that, you know, what you can do if you are given the opportunity to open your yourself, but also take that opportunity, you know? Mm-hmm. So... So that's, you know, so what it is, is like now having been in China, I feel like I have explored, I have found teaching is something that I've loved to do. But it's again, other people that have also kind of encouraged me and pushed me along or presented me with opportunities that I have been ready to take. Uh, I have found art. Um, There was another friend of ours. I think you and me know her. She was another art teacher at the school who is an absolute brilliant artist. And she was an amazing influence for me also and very encouraging. I mean, she was, she's amazing. And she was so encouraging of me. I was like, okay, I'm not even a trained artist, but you know, like she was very encouraging and kind of, Mm -hmm. again, opening up the art world um, to me so much. And I was like, wow. So, um, so that was there. So again, it's all the people that have come, like you can just be sitting there and all these people coming into your life and just kind of <laughs> dropping little, little, <laughs> little drops, right? Like, it's like, wow. <laughs> and so the things that I have learned from all of them is just been incredible. And like you just said, like you said, I don't think I would exchange it for anything else again. If everything I had to do again, I would do it again. And I would go through the downs and I would go through the ups again. But I think I'm really, truly grateful for this um, for this experience. And so, yeah. And so there's art and there's the teaching. And there's now I found yoga in China. People will be like, oh, did you do yoga in India? And I'm like, really not found yoga in China and so but again amazing yoga teachers that have been lovely so I found um, I've started running I'm not as consistent with it but I find I love running so there's so much that I have discovered but again through many many people who have kind of definitely been a huge you know like they say right it takes a village to raise a a child And I think that's what it is. Like ex- being an expat wife, I have found my village really to raise me. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> so um, yeah, that's it. That's actually it. I found my village. That village has been big. It's not a village. It's been a town or a city, but yes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it has been a great, great experience. But I'm also, like I said, just amazed at all the women that I have met, seen what everybody's stories is because they they have been equally open and equally vulnerable. So they have also shared so many stories where you know you're not alone and you know that we're all kind of plowing through this in our own way and we all have the same stories or similar stories and, Mm -hmm. you know, 
and we will find our way through it, but with each other. So, yeah. Yeah, so that's been a bit of a expat wife journey, but I think, like I said, I'm proud of all the expat wives, and I think they're just amazing, amazing human beings. So I'm grateful to know many of them. So, yeah. And I know it is so inspiring. And now, you know, I'm sitting here and listening to you, and it's so inspiring because, yes, you have this this new not not new, but you know, you have this approach of just go for it, do it. And I think, yeah, this is what what I think is very important that you always keep this in mind is do it, go for this opportunity. And when I was listening yeah. to you, I was like, it sounds a bit like this expat world is a bit like a sand pit, isn't it? Because you yes. have your bubble of trees <laughs> and you can do whatever you want because you have yes. nothing to lose. You have nothing to lose and you have a you can start with a fresh slate somewhere else again. You yes. know? <laughs> you can find another I mean, sense drawing. <laughs> and yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's a bit even for you that you now are one of these people who stayed for 13 years at the same place, but you have people coming and going and you can explore yeah. yourself with new people, with new yeah, and I think because I was I would I wanted actually to ask you how you deal with people coming and going but of course when you take this as a new opportunity every person who's coming in because they give you another yeah. drop it, it is it, it opens up to another to another world it is and I think like you know as I'm growing older also like there's so many cliches and like all these things like you know you you what with the recently like you have to um like you cannot find happiness in others until you are happy by yourself you know and that is some that is something that people keep chanting like you have to be happy with yourself you have to be content with yourself and it's only then like you cannot rely on others to provide you happiness to provide you joy to provide you everything it mm -hmm. you know you Not. And that is the reality and the truth of life. Like you need others, but you cannot rely on others to do that, that work for you, that work you have to do yourself. And so, and I think when you said, you know, when people come and go, I think that's what I have realized. I have to be happy with myself and with what I am doing. And I have to, and that's where I think I was, I, when I was talking to you before this, and I said like before I was like very passionate about many things, but now this is my latest passion where I feel like you know now my kids are like young adults and my you know and it's my husband and me and this thing but regardless I have to have a reason where I am happy to wake up in the morning I it cannot be for my husband or for my children or yep. for so and so it has to be for me you know and when I am content with that all the rest I will do my best for for sure but I have to really drive myself every day. And that is, and I think that is important for everybody to find something that sparks their joy. It doesn't have to be massive. It doesn't have to be like I have to change the world or I have to do some massively huge thing. It can be something small that drives you, but it has to drive you somewhat, you know, like, oh, okay, let me try this. Let me learn this. Let me do something. And I think that's where I think you know, when people come and go, I can look at people like they might be passing ships, but they are also ships that I can now sail on everywhere mm -hmm. around the world. 
but at the same time they i'm i'm learning something from them but i have to be happy with myself otherwise i'll be miserable every time every 3 4 years my group goes and then i have another group come in and if i'm not content with myself i will be a lonely island over here and so um if i'm happy with myself that's okay that's good i can survive i can do it i can find my joy and hopefully i will attract some other people to come into my life you know so that has become like my you know i'm i'm still not able to word it as eloquently as i want to but i think it it doesn't have to be like go 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 maybe everyone doesn't have it within them to like go 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 and you know some people might be shy and some people might not be but to at least give it a shot like put your little toe in the water and just show up that's what i told somebody recently if you join a club join something and just show up show up you don't have to be the life of the party you don't have to be the leader of mm-hmm. the party you don't have to be anything but just show up consistently at things that maybe you join and then you will slowly start finding your community you will slowly start finding a purpose you will slowly start finding your interest but you just have to show up first you cannot talk yourself out of it that's that's what i would say is the most important just don't talk yourself out of it just show up and be content with yourself find you first have to kind of find that yeah you have to find that joy within yourself first that has been my wisdom in my later years i would say <laughs> so <laughs> but i think it's a great wisdom because it makes sense i mean and yeah and even i don't know i i i had this now twice that i went to a party where i really didn't want to go and i made the decision i just go stand at the back yeah. don't talk to anyone just be there observe and twice i met wonderful people i mean once was i yeah um yeah Yeah and the last time I remember I I went I was at this party and I was standing there and I couldn't talk to anyone because I felt like I had nothing to say this lady walked in and I looked at her and she said hi how are you I've never seen you before and I was like sorry I'm a nerd I can only talk about art and art history she started laughing it was like this is the funniest introduction ever and we became friends <laughs> Well, I have to say that you can also talk about other things because we have spoken a lot about other things other than art and art history. <laughs> but yeah, you know, it was at this at this time I was just in my in my bubble and I was like I and but I felt like I need to talk to other people because I'm otherwise I'm turning yeah, you know, <laughs> otherwise I'm only talking art and art history, but yeah. I don't know and yes. I think sometimes you need to allow yourself to be the nerd and that it's fine. <laughs> Yes, exactly. And ever because I think most of us are until when you find somebody who just kind of honestly says it you're like very like oh that's endearing somebody speaks my language. <laughs> you know? So, <laughs> I know. It is uh, it is it is and yeah, I know. It's kind of interesting. It is. It is. But it you know, but I really I absolutely love this having you giving me this opportunity also because i've had it all within me and i feel like sometimes i have to like write bloody blah, blah but i'm like nobody nowadays everybody has you know what one minute to give to something to read they're happy to listen but i don't think they want to read too much anymore or spend hours I'm like oh this is good so 
but please bring your voice out there more and more and more because this is i think this was this was really inspiring to listen to this and even giving me again this yes and it's it's just going out making an effort and take yes. saying yes taking taking whatever comes around the corner and if it's a boss who says you have to teach math now and you realize i like teaching math or yes. whatever learn the language yes. even if it's sometimes stressful but do it make an effort make an effort i mean at the worst case it's horrible but you know like i i said like you know when they ask when they ask me to teach math it's not like i don't know math he was not like asking me to teach something else like you know <laughs> i do know math and actually when i was doing learning support a lot of my learning support was also with math like you know making math interesting making math challenging and mm -hmm. actually you know so so it's like wow i really kind of again have it maybe somebody else it took somebody else to kind of put me into that kind of you know put that door and open that door for me but i was like oh sure okay let me walk into that and actually i'm really really enjoying it so you know i'm again grateful for that opportunity i really really am so Yeah, so, but you never, that's what I realized. I can't sell myself short. I could have been like, I haven't taught math in so long. I haven't, like, mm. you know, done this kind of math in so long. So you have two choices. You can talk yourself out of the situation, which would have also been true. I hadn't, you know. I had been teaching math in a learning support way, but I hadn't taught a homeroom of 20 kids straight for a long time. And so maybe like it had been like 10 years because I'd been doing learning support most of the time. And so I was like, but that was the choice, right? I was like, I think I can because I've been doing it in such a way that trying to make math interesting and math accessible to kids that thought math was hard. And so now I'm like, I'm being given this opportunity to not only teach a few, but kind of try to share it with others. And maybe I'll be good at it. Maybe I won't be good at it. There were frustrating days. They're not frustrating days, but I know I've been enjoying that challenge. And so I'm like, that's what I realized. Like, don't talk yourself out of it. Try it. At the worst case. And that's the other thing. I feel like we are blessed sometimes as expat wives because we ha do have a support. It's not like a be-all or end-all situation, right? We do have the mm -hmm. support of our houses, uh, you know? And so, yeah. which, is, which is actually something to be grateful for because that's not for everybody. And so at that point, you know, I feel like I should be taking those opportunities that are presented to me because... I have no reason not to, you know? So, mm -hmm. yeah. So I wouldn't have met you if you weren't at the school, hey? And I wasn't at the school. <laughs> exactly. This is, yeah. And now, you know, we are sitting at two ends of the world. And yeah. I know. How many years later? Like, you've left China so many years later. And how many It was years 2016, later? 2016, wasn't it? 2016. Yeah. And now it is like, you know, seven years later, and, you know, we haven't, it's not like we've been talking weekly. And look at that, like seven years later, you and me are like chatting, and we have spoken for about two hours, like, mm -hmm. you know, without, without losing a beat. How does that happen? You yeah. know, unless we have formed those kind of bonds while we were here, right? It is, it is. And I think you have this thing in common, and, and this, this brings you a long way, I think. 
Yes, it's a um, shared experience that, mm-hmm. you know, is unique to us and unique to a few of us. And that bond will keep us going, you know, maybe, you know, so many years later, we will still. But the fact that we can just have this conversation for, like I said, a couple hours uh, mm-hmm. after really not talking a lot in the last seven years is, is I find, incredible. So, it is. Yeah. But so, Anu, before we come to an end, yes, can I ask you where your husband works now? <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot to tell you that. My husband you mentioned it, and I was like, before we end, we need to we need to find the answer. Where's your husband now? <laughs> so twelve years ago, he moved. The reason I thought you'll find it funny is that twelve years ago, he moved from a U.S. company to a German company. So he works for a German automotive company. No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so he he runs one of their largest. He runs their largest plant in China. Yeah. <laughs> This is impressive. Oh, I love that. How funny! I know. Maybe that's what I found. Like that's what I said. Oh, I know that you'll find that funny. These were the American companies that moved us up and down. But yeah. We have been and the German keep- company keeps you where you are. That is nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, yep, that's where we are. And so, and he loves he loves working for them. He loves he loves the company, and uh, yeah. But I thought you'd find that interesting. <laughs> This is thank you. Yeah. Okay, yes. I know. I think. Same. Yeah, you you maybe need to come back. We we need to discuss this because this is so inspiring. And I know when I were listening to this episode, and I know when other people were listening to it, there will be so many questions. Um, thank you for sharing, and please re- keep on raising your voice. In well, thank you for giving me giving me an opportunity to share the voice, and I hope this is the beginning that we don't speak only seven years later, and that we speak more often in between. Yes. That would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we will do that. <laughs> so we will do that. Yes. Okay. okay. Then maybe one day I will come to your room for colors, and I will partake in one of your sessions. So, yeah. At the moment, kindly a little bit operating in Hanoi, not really, but yeah. Please, it's just a jump over. So Anu, before we end this show, is there anything you would like to add? Yes, I've been going on and on and on. So yes, I would like to wrap it up by saying uh, that you started by asking me who I am. And after this hour of talking and, uh, you know, sharing and uh, discussing, I would like to say that I am and introduce myself as I am Anu Ishwaran, a daughter, a sister, a wife, a mother, a friend, I'm from both India and the United States. I can speak six different languages. I'm an MYP math teacher. I'm a learning support teacher. I'm an artist. I'm a yogi. I'm a runner. But I really want to reiterate that these are all just parts of me. But really, I'm Anu Ishwaran. I'm human. I'm alive, and I'm a vessel of possibilities. I am a product of all the wonderful people who have touched my life and all the experiences and opportunities that have come my way. That is really who I am. 
And thank you, Tina, again, for this wonderful opportunity to share all the inner workings of my mind. Thank you, Anu. I think there's nothing left to say. Thank you very much. This was beautiful. And it wraps up who you are. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Here's to more conversations. Yes, please. <laughs> okay. This is, um, as I say, usually um, my name is Tina. I'm the host of the show. Take good care. Bye. Thank you.